Welcome to Mindset for Medical Moms. I'm your host, Courtney Given, fellow medical mom and life coach. I'm here to help you handle everything from doctor's appointments to surgery so you can feel confidence and peace as you navigate the ups and downs of medical motherhood. This podcast will share strategies and real life tools to strengthen your mindset and increase your emotional resilience. I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hello, beautiful medical moms. Welcome back to the podcast. It is a really great day for me today. I am entering a new era of motherhood where all of my kids are in school all day and it's just blowing my mind. Roe is in preschool, Zola's in kindergarten, and Gray is in second grade. And I am celebrating. And one way I'm celebrating this new era of life is by doing some free coaching sessions. For the month of August, I'm doing free 30-minute coaching sessions. You sign up, you come to a coaching call with whatever you want help with. There is no such thing as taboo topic. There's no such thing as off-limits coaching. I'll coach you on anything. And then we coach. We get right into it. It's a quick-paced thing. And you can sign up for a free coaching session at the link in the show notes um, for the podcast. All right. I am so happy to be here today to talk to you about the model. This is the main tool that I use for my clients and for my own self-coaching practice. This is the tool that changed so much for me. In fact, I'm just going to brag about it for a little bit. It helped me make sense of myself. It helped me make sense of my brain. It's helped me create goals and achieve them. It's helped me in every area of my life. Um, And first, what is the model? Well, it's a tool for coaching. And I like to describe it as an awareness tool. First and foremost, it is the way you can organize the information from your brain so that you can become more aware of what's going on there. It was created by Brooke Castillo, who is the founder of the Life Coach School, which is my certifying school. And you can break down the model into five interrelated components. When one component changes, the rest are all impacted. So the five components of the model are circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, and results. Sound familiar? These are all words I use all the time on the podcast. And so if you've been listening, even for just one or two episodes, it's not going to feel super far out there. It's just a more specific episode on the model itself and the tool that I use with my clients and how to use it and basically what it involves. So we're going to define each of these areas. But this kind of coaching, the model coaching, uh, this kind of philosophy and style is called causal coaching. Because life coaching isn't about treating the symptoms of pain or shortcomings or diving into your childhood about what happened to you when you were five or, you know, diagnosing anything. 
It's about looking to the future focused perspective, right? It's about finding the root cause of each symptom that you're experiencing, understanding it, and then helping you change it to make room for new seeds of success and fulfillment. And this is where the model comes in. So first are circumstances. Circumstances are things outside of your control. These include other people, unfortunately. This includes your past. This includes the weather. Sometimes we forget that we can't control these things. And you might be expending a lot of energy trying to control other people in your life or change your past, which we know is not possible. Um, I have a great episode on how to think about your past, which I just did a few weeks ago. So check that out. But as frustrating as this all can be, this is where the good news comes in. You can't control your circumstances, but you can control everything else, including what you decide to think and how you feel and how you behave, how you show up in the world. Circumstances are facts that everyone would agree on at any given time. It's very objective. It is not opinionated, like a diagnosis or a treatment plan. When Zola got her diagnosis, this was something out of my control. This was a circumstance. And I thought it meant that this circumstance equaled bad things, right? That my life was bad, that her life would be bad, that I was cursed, all of that. But I thought that was factual. I thought that the circumstance was factually horrible, but that's not a circumstance at all. The circumstance is the diagnosis, right? Most of the time, you think your thoughts are facts, which is what I just described. I thought that my thoughts about the circumstance were factual, objective things. Many of my clients also do this. They think they're just simply relaying the facts from a very objective, observational place, like they're just reporting the news. But in reality, they're sharing their thoughts instead, which is exactly what they're supposed to do, right? This is what clients come to me for, so that we can differentiate between circumstances and thoughts. For example... I hear this one a lot. This is just a made-up example. All my examples in this are just made up. Um, you might be struggling with juggling motherhood every day. And you tell me something like, well, I just don't have time for the things I want to do because I have to take care of my kids. Now, this feels like a fact or a circumstance to you, but it's actually your thought about the circumstance. You do not, in fact, have to take care of your kids. Many people do not take care of their kids. In addition, I don't have time is only a perception. This is a thought about your time management. During my consults, I look at different areas of your life. I look at your physical health and I have you rate it. I look at your relationship with yourself and I have you rate it on a scale of one to 10. Like, where are you now and where do you want to be? Um... And we look at your relationship with other people. We look at um, your time management as one of them because our perception of how much time or how little time we have really impacts the results we have in our life 
and how we manage or procrastinate our time. And especially as a medical mom, we often feel that time is not ours. We all have the same amount of time and we do with it as we choose, but there's never more or less time. They feel like circumstances and you might have had these thoughts for a long time, but the only actual circumstance that this example has described is that you have children. That's the only fact in that sentence. Pointing this one difference out and noticing it for yourself can be very empowering and it can change everything and your relationship with time. I used to think myself that I couldn't do a lot of things because my kids were at home. And on the opposite, when I would get a babysitter or when Gray would be in school and the kids, the other little girls were down for naps, I would tell myself the opposite. Well, I have so much time now. I have so much time. And I was still getting the result of procrastinating. And this is why it's so important to differentiate between a fact and a thought, because thoughts are always optional. Now, as we go into thoughts, this is the next category is thoughts. As human beings, we give meaning to everything. All of our circumstances have some meaning we're saying. So often on this podcast or even with my clients, I'll say, okay, so what does that mean? Because it's a way for me to understand your thoughts about your circumstance. So I like to define a thought as a sentence in your brain. And we have lots of sentences constantly running through our minds. Sometimes we are aware of our thoughts, but most of the time we are not. Examples include, I'm not good enough. My boss doesn't appreciate my work. I'm failing. I'm a failure. If I don't figure this out, I'm going to fail. Things like that. Most of the time we cannot change our circumstances. And, most, and when we can change a circumstance, most of the time we don't want to. So like, for example, you could go to a different hospital, right? But most of the time you don't want to go to a different hospital. You could move out of your neighborhood, but most of the time you don't want to just move because of an inconvenience. It is more empowering and oftentimes a better solution to change your thinking, your mindset about the circumstance. The root cause of any problem is always our thinking. And it might sound a little oversimplified, but it really always goes back to what we're making it mean about ourselves or about our future. When you get a diagnosis for your child, this is one of the first things I want to understand, especially if you are trying to accept or come to terms with a health condition or lack of diagnosis or you're in the middle of a treatment for your child. Because what you make it mean about your life, what you make it mean about their life, and what you make it mean about their future and your future are all thoughts that are extremely powerful. And if you're thinking things like I was, like, this is really awful. My life is never going to be the same again. Their life is going to be hard forever. This is incredibly unfair for all of us. All of those thoughts are going to create your feelings and not so great feelings. It's not um, 
It's not the circumstance that, but the way we think about it. And it's not our feelings that create our feelings, but rather the thought that creates the feelings. You've heard me say it a hundred times on this podcast, your thinking creates your feelings. And it's not your behavior, but your thoughts and feelings that re- that create a result um, of either action or inaction. Your thoughts directly create a specific result in your life. And therefore, the cause of your problem is not the unwanted result, but the thoughts that led to those unwanted results. The current thinking is what creates your current result. So that is where we always begin. We want to create awareness about what you're currently thinking and feeling and doing, right? Thoughts, feelings, and behavior. That's where we always start to see what is being created as a result of those three things. What is the result that you are currently experiencing? And it's that result that many of the times we, my clients come to coaching for. Differentiating between thoughts and circumstance is the first important step for you. And it's a skill. It's not something we're taught in school. It's not something that we're naturally good at because our brain is very biased. (laughs) And you might think, oh, for sure this is a circumstance. This is a fact, right? Like this is going to be really hard. Or for me, it was I'm cursed. Bad things just follow me around. I thought for sure that was a fact. But it's not. It is a thought. Remember that circumstances are facts while thoughts are subjective. They may change from person to person and are not true all the time. For example, it's 85 degrees outside is a circumstance while it's hot outside is a thought because some people might not agree that 85 degrees is hot. So that's the nuance between those things, and it is important to differentiate. Now, your feelings are the emotions or vibrations you experience in your body. They're directly related to the thoughts you're thinking, and this includes anger, sadness, disappointment, excitement. And don't confuse your feelings, your emotions, with physical involuntary sensations, such as being cold or being hungry or experiencing physical pain. Emotions are voluntary because we can change them by what we are thinking. We often think our feelings come from our circumstance. So for example, you might say something like, my husband didn't take out the trash, which is a circumstance because that can be very factual. We can prove that. And then you say, so I'm very angry. And that's a feeling. And what the sentence says is that your husband's action or inaction is the cause of your feeling. Or you might say, my best friend is in town, circumstance, so I'm very excited, feeling. And your what this is saying to your brain is that because my best friend is in town, that's the cause of my feeling. But the truth is, our feelings come from our thoughts. So you might be thinking, my best friend is in town, which is a circumstance. What do you make that mean? Oh, that I'm going to have a lot of fun. So therefore, you are excited. That's the thought about the circumstance. 
We have like 40,000 thoughts a day. Most of them are recycled thoughts. And I want you to sit with that. Most of your thoughts are repeated because our brain loves efficiency. Our brain loves creating patterns. So you will recycle thoughts and create those patterns so it's easier for our brain to generate. And most of our thoughts are skewed negative because as a protective mechanism, our brain is always looking out for unsafe things. So we are not consciously aware of all these thoughts running in the background, but they are still there. And they are the reasons for every feeling you have. So when your husband forgets to take out the trash, you might have thoughts like, well, now I have to do it. And I've already done so much today. He never pulls his weight around here. These are the thoughts that give you feelings of anger, not the circumstance itself. Sometimes you want to think thoughts on purpose. When your best friend is in town, you might want to think, I am so, I'm going to have so much fun so that you feel happy. Sometimes you might want to be sad. And when I share this with people, people are like, what do you mean? I don't actually want to be sad. I came to you to not be sad, right? I tell people, I can help you make you feel better. And then they're like, okay, well, now you're telling me to be sad on purpose. And I'm, and I'm saying that sometimes when I share the model or the, or the tools of that, your thoughts create your feelings, many people are like, okay, so I just think happy thoughts all the time and then I'll never be sad and I'll always be happy. And I'm like, maybe in theory, but that's still unhealthy because there are many times where being sad is the appropriate healthy response. Being happy all the time is not an appropriate, healthy response. Um, I want to be sad when the circumstance is about someone I know who has died. And there are people that I know who have died where I don't care, right? There are celebrities who die and then I have zero feelings about them. Death is not the determining factor of whether or not we feel sad, right? That's a circumstance. There are politicians that I think that I would not feel sad if they died. And I know that's on both sides of the aisle, right? Like there are people in the world that die that we are like, oh, like we can think about like inmates on death row who have died that people champion their death. There are, uh, I think it was Ted Bundy, if I'm not mistaken, who was taken into um, a Florida jail and he was executed and people tailgated outside of the prison. I'm using prison and jail interchangeably, but I know they're different. <laughs> um, but I watched this documentary and people had signs. People had like camped out on the in the bed of their trucks. Like people had chairs out and they cheered when the signal went off that he had been he had died. So it's not death, which is a circumstance that causes your feelings. It is your thoughts about the person who died or in the manner in which they died. When a 99-year-old dies, we think thoughts like, wow, they've lived such a great life. What a legacy. I just saw um, someone uh, who passed away recently from cancer, and I cried. And I wanted to cry. I wanted to be sad because that person I knew, I had the thoughts that this is sad. And I 
in that moment had no issue with feeling that way. I wanted to feel that way. I want to feel sad in certain circumstances. And that I want to really um, make a point to differentiate because it's not about only noticing our thoughts and then automatically changing them. It's noticing our thoughts and seeing the results that it creates and then deciding, is this something that's serving me? And as a medical mom, I see lots of circumstance that I don't want to think is positive necessarily. And I don't want to think positive thoughts about. And in that same vein, there are lots of circumstances that are completely neutral that I want to think neutrally about, that I want to think even slightly positive about, that many people automatically see as negative, right? I've had to do a lot of work around what other people decide is negative in Zola's life and what I want to see as either neutral or slightly positive or positive. I am usually a, a um, what's the word? An, not an anomaly, but um, on the outside of this. I'm usually the minority. That's the word. When it comes to this, many people will argue with me and say, no, this circumstance is factually whatever. And I don't argue actually with people, but I've seen people just say like, I completely disagree because this is bad or this is inherently hard. And it's not that I'm trying to argue with anyone whether something is bad or hard. It's I question for you so that you make a conscious and intentional decision that you understand that it's not the circumstance causing your feelings rather than your thinking. And that is okay. That is how it is supposed to be. It's not about only thinking positive things. It's about being conscious while doing it. Like that you are part of that experience, that you have control over your situation and your experience of this circumstance, that you can get intentional about what you think and that thinking that certain things are sad or hard is okay and you do it on purpose and you know that you're the creator of it and that you want to be the creator of it. And then oftentimes, sometimes people I've coached have said, no, this is hard. And then so that's where we go from, okay, fine. If you want to believe that it is hard, now what? Right? You're doing something challenging and hard. How do you want to think about that on purpose? This is hard and what? And so what? Right? We can get out of, okay, this is so hard and self-pitying and then have the same circumstance, even if I'll give you that it's hard. Now, what do you want to think about it? I had someone tell me like, no, this is hard. I'm like, okay, fine. Let's let it be hard. How do you want to think about your experience doing hard things? Right? That is the difference between feeling hopelessness, feeling helpless and feeling emotionally out of control versus feeling in control, feeling empowered and feeling grounded through the experience because you can anchor yourself through the model. You understand how to watch your brain and how to think on purpose and feel your feelings, which leads us to actions. Actions refer to behavior or reactions or inaction. Sometimes it's because we're just not doing something and that's why we want to do it. These are all directly related to our feelings. 
Examples include eating when we're not hungry because we're feeling lonely, avoiding interaction with the boss because we're feeling angry, or withdrawing from relationships because we're feeling sad. If we want to feel different, or if we want different actions, we have to choose different feelings. Sometimes actions are subtle, like a change in tone of voice. My actions are like, sometimes I just become apathetic. Um, it might be inaction, such as avoiding certain people or situations or, or procrastinating or not doing the thing that you had on your to-do list. Many of us think we're able to hide our true feelings when necessary and like show up and choose how to act despite our feelings. Sometimes we can, and sometimes I teach my clients how to do this, like doing the boring things. Like even if you're, if it's boring, you can still do things no matter how you're feeling. But when we're not conscious of this, it ends up coming out like we're inauthentic because our most effective behavior come from positive feelings or feelings that we're least aware of. I wouldn't even say always positive, but just even, even more neutral feelings like content. Um, when we manage our thinking and take action from the feelings we want to have, we can change behavior for the long term versus short band-aid fixes. And this is what creates incredible results in our lives. I tell anyone who comes to a coaching consult that I don't do short-term band-aid fixes. This is not for people who just want to feel better overnight. You can, it is possible, but what you're doing through coaching is unlearning the things you've already been learning and practicing believing. And then you are not only unlearning those, but you're learning new skills like how to think on purpose, observing your brain, how to identify your feelings, how to feel those feelings, how to evaluate your behavior without judging yourself, and how to set goals around all of these things. And those are all skills. So you're learning new skills. You're implementing this information. You're constantly getting feedback from me as your coach. We're coaching through the model. And I believe it would be an incredible disservice to you to do that for one or two sessions. Like it's just impossible in my mind to create long-term results, which is what I am in the business of, right? I want to equip medical moms to have the skills necessary to handle the most challenging situations or even the most mundane situations. And that requires skills. So I work with my clients six or 12 months because of that. We work together for six months or 12 months, depending on what you want to get done and what you have going on. Sometimes I work with my clients through multiple open heart surgeries, or maybe they've just gotten home after several heart, like several hospital admissions. And they're like, I am piecing my life together after, you know, this six month stay through many hospital experiences. And it might be best for them to um, choose 12 months to work together. So we can just go through and work through all these different areas. Or sometimes you feel like as a mom, your identity has been washed away. And so we can spend a year together working on all these different areas of your life to figure out who you are and what you want from life and how to create that for the long-term result. 
which brings us to the results section of the model. Results are the effects of your actions. All your actions equal a specific result. If I overeat every day, I'm going to gain weight. And I know that because I did. In 2020, I gained 30 pounds. I am in the process of losing that weight. I'm going to do an episode in the next coming weeks on overeating. And as a result of overeating, you gain weight. If you, and that has been because of actions related to eating when I'm not hungry. Or, or maybe a result that cre- is created is having a dysfunctional or unkind working relationship because you're avoiding all those interactions with your boss. Choosing different actions will lead to a different result. We may think our results are actually circumstances that have just kind of been handed to us, right? Like the weird relationship we have with your boss is because that's just how the boss is or that's just how the facts are. And it feels like it's beyond our control. But the truth is we are entirely responsible for our results because they come from our actions. So we have to be emotional adults. We have to become emotionally responsible. That's where we take responsibility for our thoughts and feelings and behavior. Our results come from our actions and are a result of our feelings, which come from our thoughts. And this is, like I said in the very beginning, great news because all of this is within our control, our thoughts being the most important one. And if you can practice examining your mind, you will gain the skill of being able to choose thoughts that empower you to create this result that you truly want. Now, here is a practical application. This is a made-up example. I'm using the name Claire. Claire is a client who says she really wants to exercise. She hasn't been doing it. So then, as, my, as her coach, we would explore what she feels when she doesn't exercise. She says, right before I decide that I'm not going to exercise, I just feel apathetic. I have no drive at all. After a lot of questioning and exploring, we discover that Claire's thought is, quote, that even if I exercise, it's not going to matter anyway. This is the thought creating the feeling of apathy, which drives her not to exercise. It's not exercising that causes apathy, rather the thought about exercising. Typically, when clients discover something like this, they want to change it immediately. And also me too. Anytime I'm working with my coach or any of the coaches I've had, even by myself, I'm like, okay, what can I do? What can I do to fix it? Because that's what our brains do. But to be the most effective with the model, you have to slow down. You'll want to pause, maybe even take a breath, and just observe the model that you've written out and then sit with the understanding of your brain, right? We really want to understand our brain. And at the same time, not beat yourself up for what's going on because this is going to be the tendency. Okay, now I see that this thought is creating this result. I'm not exercising because I think it's not going to matter. Great. I suck. I am so 
dumb. Why, like logically, that doesn't even make any sense. Why can't I get my shit together? That's what happens to me, to my clients, to lots of people who do this. Because there's a part of us that think if we can just like beat ourselves up, we'll get to the result faster. But that's never how it works. In fact, I encourage all my clients not to beat themselves up ever again. I always tell them, nope, we're not doing that. We don't beat ourselves up. We love ourselves unconditionally. We clap for all parts of ourselves, even the parts that no one else claps for. I don't know where I heard that quote, but it literally has stuck in my head since I read it years and years ago. So we don't beat ourselves up. We just sit with the understanding of what's going on in our brain. And instead, after we're looking at this, we develop a skill of curiosity, right? I like to think of curiosity as a tool because to be curious, you cannot be judgmental. To be genuinely curious about yourself is one of the funnest things I've ever done. It gives you a place to get fascinated with your own behavior, to get playful, to really get to a place of trying to understand you. Like, why am I not exercising? Why am I beating myself up like this before exercising and then deciding not to exercise? What's my response when I don't exercise? Right? There is always a good reason for what you're doing. I always believe there's a really good reason for why you're thinking this. There's a good reason why you're feeling this. And if we can't be compassionate and curious with ourselves, we won't reveal our truths. It's really hard to be honest with yourself when if you are, you're just going to judge yourself and shame yourself. Then you're not going to want to open up and be curious and playful with you. So in Claire's case, she had been unsuccessful at exercising. And since nothing ever worked, she would beat herself up for it, feel horrible. And even the exercise regimens that she did attempt were punishing and painful. So of course, she became apathetic towards exercise altogether. Once she's able to connect with herself with compassion, she could decide whether or not she wanted to change her thinking. And that's the most important thing I want you to take away from this is that she gets to decide what she wants to do with this information. I don't tell my clients what to change. I don't say, oh, look, you can, you know, do all this stuff. If you come to me and say, I want to exercise every day, we will do your current model and then see what it would take to get you to exercise every day. But first, we would really want to see, is this something you want to change and why? And understand it's truly your decision. And we don't make decisions out of lack, right? We're not going to make this decision because exercising makes you a better person or losing weight will make your value increase, which it doesn't. We want to make that decision from love and understanding and compassion. So as a summary, right, I'm going to share a bunch of this stuff in our Facebook group. But as a summary, the circumstances exercise the thought is, even if I do it, it won't make a difference. The feeling when she thinks that thought is apathetic. The actions is that she doesn't exercise and she judges herself for not exercising. And as a result, no difference is made. And you could even continue to say no difference will ever be made. 
she is proving her thought true by not exercising. And your brain will use this as evidence and say, see, you can't exercise. You never have. And this is how our brain fucks us up. So I want to always enforce compassion. It's always counterintuitive. My clients are like, really? The answer is to be nice to myself. And I'm like, yeah, it really, really is. <laughs> I'm going to do a, I haven't decided if I'm doing a workshop or, or a, or just a podcast episode, but about yelling less at your kids. I didn't even know I was a yeller until I got married. And then all of a sudden I was like yelling and I was like, oh my gosh, what the freak? Um, and I had a lot of shame about this for so long because, you know, brains judge. And I didn't want to be a yeller, but all my solutions were founded in judging myself really harshly. And I've kind of created like a few steps of how I've reduced my yelling significantly. And the first step is telling yourself you're a good mom, no matter what. (laughs) It really is compassion. Compassion leads to long-term changes. You have to start out with being understanding and compassionate and love. From there, you can ignite yourself to change. But beating yourself up and self-loathing, that is not going to work for the long run. You can attempt it. And I know lots of people can like lose weight from self-loathing and, you know, build businesses from self-loathing and maybe even stop yelling at your kids from self-loathing. But when you try to keep this up, it's you're going to buckle under pressure. It's not going to feel good long term. It is not a long term solution. Your mind likes to be efficient. So once it's been thinking the same thoughts and the same patterns over and over again, it does take practice and skill to change them. You are unlearning decades of thoughts, maybe even more than that, right? There are certain things that I can think, wow, I've thought this my entire life. I have thought some variation of this thought again and again. For almost three decades like as long as I can remember right like that's that's wild first of all but also it makes me feel so much more compassion to myself because I'm like oh my gosh I'm trying to change thought patterns that I have believed were facts my whole life so of course my mind wants to go back to it and that's where we just redirect right we just practice and practice and practice and that's why It's important to have patience with yourself too. Otherwise, you're in a battle with your own mind. And when you, when it's you against your old same ways, you will always lose. Guaranteed. When you approach yourself with fascination or love, you know, most of the time it's best to do both. You can see major changes in specific results and in your overall life by applying the model. But it has to be founded in that love, not judgment. I have used the model to solve so many problems because all of my problems have been solved by my thinking. Either that I thought something was a problem that actually wasn't a problem or I saw something as specifically very negative that was actually a factual neutral circumstance. And always will come back to our thoughts. And this is the tool that is the foundation of my coaching practice. And 
I do it because it gives me the ability to make sense of the world. I personally practice the model multiple times a day um, because it's, it really makes sense to my brain. It made sense of all this other stuff. I remember thinking of the quote, like, I think El- Eleanor Roosevelt said it, like, no one can make you inferior without your consent or make you feel inferior without your consent. And I never understood that. I never understood why or how you could actually not give consent to that. And it wasn't until I discovered the life coach school that made me think, oh, I understand that now because of the model. It's how I've learned to increase my self-trust and become more self-compassionate. It's how I plug into a goal if I want to create a result in my life. I just put that goal into the result line and look backwards about what I need to do to create that. And if you want to see the model in action, I'm going to go live in the Medical Mom Facebook group. Uh, It's called Mindset for Medical Moms podcast group, where I will demonstrate some examples. And I will have not only I'll have downloadable PDF worksheets that you can use to um, write out the model, and I'm going to write out instructions on how to do that. And I also have the a picture version, so you can just screenshot it if you don't want to download the PDF file. So you can come join us at the link in the show notes for the podcast or search on Facebook, Mindset for Medical Mom podcast group. And if you have questions about this episode or you want clarifications or you just want to, or, or if you want to do the model and you want feedback for that model, please, please post it. And I would love to help you apply it and see maybe what the result is because that's sometimes the hardest line to see what what's being created um but i'd love to help you apply this episode in real time so come join us at the facebook group post in the facebook group and i'm more than happy to help you all right my friends thank you so much for being here and i will see you next week bye bye welcome to mindset for medical moms I'm your host, Courtney Given, fellow medical mom and life coach. I'm here to help you handle everything from doctor's appointments to surgery so you can feel confidence and peace as you navigate the ups and downs of medical motherhood. This podcast will share strategies and real life tools to strengthen your mindset and increase your emotional resilience. I'm so glad you're here. Let's go.